Hey, everybody, and welcome to Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network presents Marking Out the Days, Weekend Warriors. This is one half of your hosting squad, Kobe Nida, and as always, I am joined here with the mayor of Kicking Out at Two, the man that runs it down with me all the time, the other retrosexual Dave Rosenbluth. Dave, what's going on, buddy? What's going on, man? It's been a busy week in wrestling. Yes. We have a lot to discuss. I am really looking forward to uh, breaking it all down currently, as well as retrospectively from 1992. Absolutely. Um, I've basically watched wrestling every day this week. Not like that's any different from, but it's all new stuff, you know? Um, yep. It's it's been a busy week, like you said. There's been wrestling going on nonstop, um, and we are at a big, 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 big period for wrestling fans right now. This is such a good time to be a wrestling fan, and we have plenty of podcasts that cover uh, retrospective wrestling. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it, you're absolutely right. Not to uh, not not to take over the reins of your, your your statement, but um, yeah. I mean, we are in a big boom period of wrestling with uh, with with all the content that's out there currently, and even like podcasting too. Like, there's so much wrestling podcasts out there. Um, I mean, you all should be listening to ours um, because you know we we, we break it down. Um, but um, yeah, I mean. It, wrestling is just very popular right now um and i think we're we're gonna, we're in the midst of a big boom period where um on many platforms whether it's television whether it's podcasting um social media wrestling is going to be a big part of pop culture i truly believe that absolutely it's on the rise again um yeah so <laughs> Before we get started and into our episode here, this is episode 24, by the way. Wow. It's um, nearly half a year that we've been running down WCW and WWF from Saturdays, the war before the Wednesday war. Um, or the Monday Night War. Yeah, the Monday Night War. True. Yeah, there's two. There's This is World War Two or three. I, I guess. think this would be, I think this, would, well, I don't know, because if you think about it, you have you have superstars or wrestling challenge that used to run on the same day as uh, NWA World Championship Wrestling, if I'm not mistaken. Oh. So I could. I, this is an endless war. Yeah. So this is you know this is a uh, this may be World War Two, you know, in in wrestling terms. I mean, it, it very well could be. I don't think honestly. Um, if it, most wrestling fans categorize this period of time in 92 with superstars and Saturday night running on the same day um, as a war, so to speak, I think people mainly look at the head to head stuff that, you know, between raw and nitro from Correct. the nineties. And then obviously now with, um, with uh, AEW's dynamite and WWE NXT. Um, before we get into that, Dave, you want to tell everybody what's going on with Kicking Out at Two, your podcast, last week yeah. or this week coming up? Yeah. Um, so last week we had, um, where are we at? This is October the 3rd, if I'm correct. The date that we're covering is October the 3rd. So last week on Kicking Out at Two, we had the WWF one night only covered in our Blind Date Diaries episode two or series two or whatever you want to call it, um, where I sat down and I watched WWF one night only from September the 20th, 1997. And then I gave you guys a comprehensive recap for the very first time because I've never watched that show from start to finish. I saw the main event before between Sean and Bulldog, but I've never watched the entire show start to finish. So that's part of our Blind Date Diaries series. So you can check that out over at the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network right now. Um, Blind Date Diaries 2 covering WWF one night only, the first um, WWF, WWE UK exclusive pay-per-view that I watched recently for the very first time. Check out my thoughts. Was it a was it a good blind date? Does this blind date get a second look or was this blind date so bad that you didn't even, you didn't even enjoy the meal? Find out on 
Blind Date Diaries 2 covering one night only over at the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. This week, my buddy Dennis J. Levy joins me as we sat down and we recapped the the very first head-to-head battle between Raw and Nitro from September the 11th, 1995, in anticipation of the Wednesday Night Wars, the, the critically acclaimed Wednesday Night Wars by, by um, all wrestling fans or the majority of wrestling fans. So in anticipation of, of that big night that just took place this past week. Um, I wanted to recap the first war, the first head-to-head battle between Raw and Nitro. So on Nitro, you had, it was the second Nitro episode ever in its existence. You had that show headlined by Hogan and Luger for the title. And then on Raw, you were headlined with Shawn Michaels and Psycho Sid for the Intercontinental title. So um, go back and uh, check out, you know, what Dennis and I thought of those two episodes, how they stand today, 24 years later, who won the ratings war back then, and who, who in our minds, we thought had the better show 24 years later with our Raw Nitro recap from September the 11th, 1995. You can also find that in the archives at the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network on Podbean. And next week, in celebration of WWE's foray into Fox with the SmackDown debut that just took place last night, um, we're going to sit down and watch the last time WWE produced a major event on the Fox Network, which was Saturday night's main event from November the 14th, 1992. So for some of you that listen to this show, we're, you're going to want to check out what's coming up with the watch along, the watch party that we got going on over at Kicking Out at 2. That, that Saturday night's main event is headlined by Shawn Michaels and the British Bulldog for the Intercontinental title. We also have uh, Money Incorporated defending the tag team titles against the Ultimate Maniacs, Bret Hart versus Papa Shango for the WWF title, and so much more. The la- It was the last time WWE was on Fox, so I thought, you know, kind of bring things full circle, bring the current stuff in with the past, tie them together, and uh, let's see what we got. But, yeah, you can watch that with us on the WWE Network next week on Kicking Out at 2. And if you haven't already, you can hit us up on social media, facebook.com forward slash Kicking Out at 2. Hit the like button there. And over on Twitter, our handle is at Kicking Out 2, K-I-C-K-N-O-U-T in the number 2. Give us a follow over there and join the Kicking Out at 2 crew. Yes, indeed. Good stuff, Dave. Um, And going on here at Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network, like Dave said, you can find us on any podcast platform by searching Retromania with a W. You can join in the fun on Retromania. We have some memes and some videos and, um, you know, just recent news about what's coming out, dropping all the time on our podcast feeds. Um, Join us on Facebook at Retromania with a W. Follow us on Twitter at RetromaniaPod. You can always write to us at RetromaniaPodcast at gmail.com. And I just dropped a bunch of Gaijin Wrestling Radio on you guys the last uh, couple weeks ago. Um, Jimmy Price joined me on those. It was good to have him back and chop it up, talking Japanese classic matches. Um, some good stuff there. The last one, one that we did was September, uh, match of the month. And it was Steve Austin against Masahiro Chono, a... Um, <clears throat> A match with some uh, some some goings ons at the end, some uh, stuff that I won't spoil it, but uh, it happens to Steve Austin later. Interesting, in yeah. Um, yeah. And what year was yeah. that match? Nineteen ninety-two. It's oh, in the okay. timeline here oh, of what okay. we covered for marking out the days. So it actually happened September of nineteen ninety-two, a couple weeks ago. Um, well, I'll throw it out there. Steve Austin breaks Masahiro Chono's neck. Um. In the and, same fashion uh, that Owen Hart broke his neck in SummerSlam, cor- correct? Correct, yes, with the Tombstone pile driver. Okay. And um, he, he sat at, flat on his ass and broke his neck, and Jimmy and I covered that. It's a good podcast. You can find that on our streams and feeds. And, yeah, it's interesting because now we'll see in this episode, they talk about Masahiro Chono going against Rick Rude, and, uh, yeah, we'll get into that how quickly he returns to the ring and how much it changes his uh, in-ring performance. Yeah. All right, so uh, let's uh, let's get into this day, dude. You ready? Or actually, no. We have a new segment before we get started into this day, don't we? Yes, we do. We would like to call this the one and done. Now, can 
since we are talking about uh, since we've kind of based this show around a a war between WWF and WCW in 1992, um, with the you know the same day coverage of Superstars and Saturday Night, I thought it would be fitting that um, we we take this one and done segment and we transfer it over to the current day product with WWE NXT and AEW's Dynamite, um, because the premise, like I said, the premise of our show has been you know the war before the war. Well, now we're in a new you know. As much as I don't like it, what do you think, Kobe? Do you think this is a wrestling war between these two companies, or do you just think it's, you know, it's it's overplayed because people are piggybacking off of the Monday Night Wars? Yeah, people are piggybacking right now. It's hard to say. It's 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 a it's a marathon. Yes, like a lot of people say. Yes. So marathon. We not will a see. But yeah, so what? I am. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm just hyped to watch. Wrestling. I'm just a wrestling <laughs> fan that's got more options now. You know what I mean? That's exactly. that, 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 that's me, you know, uh, when it comes yep. to this stuff. But um, one and done here on Marking Out the Day's Weekend Warriors is a segment where Kobe and I are going to take, you know, indiv- respectively, we're going to take one particular thing that caught our eye, that grabbed our attention from Wednesday evening. It could be good or it could be bad, and we will discuss it. Briefly, but not at length, but briefly, and it'll be our one and done. So each of us respectively will have one thing, whether it's from NXT, whether it's from AEW, it could be from the same show, it could be from two separate, you know, the, the, the separate shows, whatever the case may be, we're going to take one in particular um, moment from from Wednesday night, and we're going to discuss it and, and talk about why it caught our eye so much. Um, so without further ado, Kobe, why don't you kick things off and tell us what caught your eye from Wednesday night? Well, Dave, shooting right off the hip here. Um, just the overall production and um, the, presentation. The, the presentation of AEW. Okay. Yeah. Basically, it uh, just brought me back to WCW. Um, the Nitro days, in a way, um, it, it felt like old school wrestling, but it also mm-hmm. had a different feel and look than what we're used to seeing so much over the last 20, 25 years of WWE. Um, you get yep. a lot of like cross cutting shots. You now, within the last five years or ten years, they've they've moved into like zooming in WWE. That mm-hmm. is when you know moves happen. And it, yep. it just takes a lot out of the product, and it's very, it, it's very, it's a close-up shot in the ring. Uh, I I like to see more of the fans. I like to see the building. I like to see a lot of the the ring more, you know. And we got that in yep. AEW, and we got a lot of just straight wrestling. Not too many just uh, yeah. promos and standing in the ring. It was a great presentation, and that's my uh, that's my one and done. No, you know I um. Uh, that that's definitely a good one and i will say that the the production quality caught my eye um i i could see where you're coming from there it looked different it looked fresh um busted open uh you know bully ray i'm busted open had made a great point is that i think aew won the battle of perception on wednesday night when it came to the look and feel of their show it felt like a bigger show you were in a large arena the lighting the camera angles the way it was produced um you saw all that and i think most fans you know watch that show not only because it was new and it was something different that people have been wanting to see but also because of the way it was presented the way it looked um you know, full disclosure, I had AEW on my phone and I had NXT on my TV <laughs> and I in, in my basement. And I was watching, you know, both at the same time um, until uh, I had to watch the show that I watch with my wife because that's just a thing that we do together. But um, nonetheless. And what's that show? We're going to put you on the spot. You're going to put me on the spot? All right. The Challenge on MTV where they take the, okay. the, the, the the folks from real world and they put them in oh, like... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to... Kind of like Survivor Big Brother type. Day, yeah. 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 Used to love that show back well, in the day. My wife and I get into that, so that's like our thing. Um, cool. 
you know. But right, uh, so go- but yeah, the the the, per, the perception of AEW the other night was that it was a big deal and it was new and it was fresh and I could see why people gravitated to it. And me personally, like I watched both shows, I liked what AEW brought. Um, I think that they worked on some things that people were complaining about in some of their previous shows with the production, the camera angles, and they tweaked a lot of things and and they put out their best presentation um, to date, uh, especially on a national stage like like TV. So I agree with I, it's a great it, it's a great one and done um, to kick things off. I I enjoyed the look and presentation, the feel of their their show and their product, and hopefully they can keep that moving forward. So that's pretty cool. Um, now my one and done um, for me was. Uh, Adam Cole, Matt Riddle for the NXT Championship to open up NXT. I thought that show was bad, or that match was badass. I loved it. Um, even kicking out of each other's finishers, which I'm not a big fan of, I, I still got into the match. Um, I thought that was match of the night across the board. Um, I thought that in terms of opening segments between that match and the Cody-Sammy Guevara match, that blew Cody and Sammy out of the water. And Cody and Sammy was a great match. Indeed. But Cole and Riddle just, they tore it up. I, I, I want to yeah. see them wrestle again. That was Matt Riddle's best match in NXT, in my opinion. And I just, I loved it. That's what really stood out for me. Um, I thought NXT was a great show. I thought from a match quality standpoint, NXT was better than AEW. But AEW, I think, because it was new and it was fresh and it was something different, people wanted to check it out. That whole curiosity killed the cat thing. It worked because they eventually won the ratings battle. Um on Wednesday night, according to the uh, the Nielsen ratings and, and reports that are out there. So, um, but overall, Cole and Riddle, man, that just that, that tore it up for me. Like it, it was it was awesome. I I can't I, I I'll probably go back and watch that match again. Uh, you know, in the next couple of days or so, because it was that good. I really really enjoyed it on the edge of my seat the whole time. Absolutely, um, that was a that was a great match, man. And I can I can agree with you. Yeah, some of the kicking out at the end is sometimes like sketchy, but. It worked for this, and that was Rat Matt Rat Middle Matt Riddle's um, best match in in NXT. And Adam Cole always brings that out in people. And Adam Cole has a wow. I mean, he could be a, a main guy on the main roster. Well, here's the other thing too that I forgot to mention that is also part of this one and done. <laughs> I liked the segment with Finn Balor. That was that that, that that's in, I'm including it in this match because Adam Cole was part of the segment. I liked Finn right. Balor's introduction back to NXT. I think that's a good fit for him and a good place for him. He had some uh, some some stutter steps on the main roster, but I think going back to NXT could really um, kind of give him a, a a fresh coat of paint, so to speak. That that I think he's needed for quite some time, um, and it'll be interesting. You know, also brings some star power to to NXT as well. Having a guy like him who comes from the main roster, I just thought overall, um, from the match to the post match stuff with Balor at the end, it was a white hot start to NXT. And I, like I said, I think the beginning of NXT blew out the beginning of AEW by like miles. Yeah, absolutely. Um. All right. Well, that's our segment one and done. Um, it, it's been fun for this week. We'll see how it goes next week. That was October second. You ready to get into October third in our time machine and travel back to 1992? Yes, I am, man. Let's do it. I got my seatbelt on, so uh, you're driving the bus. You're driving the bus to 11 o'clock. WWF Superstars in Hershey, Pennsylvania. So uh, I'm gonna sit back and uh, enjoy the ride. So let's let's do this, man. All right, we're at WWF Superstars, like you said, Hershey, Pennsylvania. We went to Hershey Park and ate a bunch of chocolate, and everybody's kind of sleepy now. Well, yeah. no, it's in the morning. We're all hyped. We're all hyped. We're all hyped. Uh, we open with Mean Gene, and tonight's special guest he announces is Razor Ramon. And then we have Vince and um, intro introduce Razor on commentary. So they go back and forth from like the outside of like podium area of Mean Gene and Vince in the studio, which is kind of cool. They're trying to make it feel like Vince is really there and it's all like, you know, happening right now, you know? Yeah. With Um, the green screen, right? Yes. Yes, indeed. We have Razor then up on the podium with Mean and he slides in as Vince says, 
um, and Razor then cuts a promo on Macho Man saying, You lost your gold. Look at the gold I got, Chico. You want to step into the ring with Razor, El Jefe? You not just lose your belt, you lose your machismo. You want to fight with Razor? You lost your mind, Chico. And that's when uh, Macho Man lost his mind and he went mad. Macho Madness, everybody? Maybe. No. We'll see if that match happens. Um, of course, that's um, bringing up the recent events where Razor Ramon was involved in Macho Man losing his title to Ric Flair. Coming up there and beating up his leg, or kicking his leg out of his leg, as you spoke of. <laughs> yeah, kicking his leg out of his leg, the old uh, the old uh, Owen Hart promo from Royal Rumble 94. Yeah, um, solid stuff, I will say. Um, they, I mean, Razor's, as a kid, and now watching this back, Razor Ramon was made to look like a big deal from the get-go. Um, if anything, you could say that, like, his push, um, that, like, the Brock Lesnar and even Kurt Angle pushes were patterned off of this because Razor just right. shot right to the main event immediately when he came in. So um, you could yeah. make, make a strong case that, you know, guys that they've pushed in later years was patterned off of Razor's push. Definitely. Um, then we go to Vince and Mr. Perfect on that green screen, but it makes it feel semi-live. Anybody else feel semi-live? Semi? Semi. (laughs) Semi. (laughs) I'm semi-live, baby. (laughs) Let's chill for a little bit. All right, Vince then informs us of the superstars that will be in action this morning, or afternoon, if you will. Um, The Undertaker, Nails, The Natural Disasters, and Rick the Model Martell. Then we go to the ring. It's Crush Brada. He's coming out with a decent pop here. His opponent is Dwayne the Gill. Uh, the bell rings, and then the bell rings again. What do you think <laughs> happened, Dave? It's like uh, We have a picture-in-picture promo during this match. Crush says he will show anyone who gets in his way, Brada, why he's called Crush. And because Vince only knows stereotypes... Yeah, I don't know. He was landed on heavy with that Hawaiian accent there. Crush destroys Dwayne the Gill, gives him a big boot on the outside, throws him from the outside over the top rope into the ring. Wow, I haven't seen that. That's a good move. Mm. Um, he like you know lifted him from the outside and threw him over the top rope into the ring. It's a lot of strength. Yes. Uh, he gives Dwayne a tilt-a-whirl backbreaker and then crushes his head. It's over. Another, you know, squash match here, but Dwayne Gill always gives people a lot. On the subject of Crush, yes. full disclosure, you know me, I'm a big action figure collector. Um, I actually picked up a uh, a recent purchase of the um, of a, one of the old Hasbros that I've been collecting, and it's of the Kona Crush dude with the purple and yellow from 1992, 93. Um, Ooh. Yeah, something that You'll I have, have to post that on the the kicking out it to a retro mania page. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely will. I picked that up along with a a, a, a Yokozuna from an action figure group that uh, that I'm a part of. Yeah, little little cheap plug there, but yeah, it was uh, it's it pretty cool. One of the ones I haven't don't have my collection now. I finally got it. So it's weird because the coloration of the the figure crushes left arm and his torso is really tan. Like he's been like light, like he, like he fell asleep in the, like that part of his body fell asleep in the tanning bed while his right arm and his face are pale white. Um, huh. yeah, maybe a, a piece together replacement. Maybe. No. I don't know. Um, I, I you know I, I got him I, I got him on the cheap probably because of the coloration but the the, the action still works in the the left arm so um, that's right. a, that's a good thing but uh, yeah just thought I'd bring that up next cool do you, do you have the uh, the demolition crush I do have the demolition crush and yeah. I have the demolition axe and smash as well yeah I don't have the helmets uh, though I need to get the helmets but the helmets are fucking expensive nowadays you go on eBay it's all of them for like 50 bucks yeah like come on they're, they're piece of plastic like 50 bucks <laughs> like give me a break maybe I'm just a cheapskate but like come on like <laughs> that, that's ridiculous 50 dollars for three little plastic toy helmets like yeah go fuck yourself you ain't getting that from me next, next up on WWF Superstars it's nails stay tuned after the commercial that'll keep you hanging around won't it 
back and Nails comes out and a kid is asleep. This is how entertaining he is. And maybe the dad is too. I don't know. He looks just drunk. He's like, uh, I'll post a picture. His opponent is Gus Kantelowski. It actually is just, uh, it looks like Sean Grukowski from Mulhole Radio, everybody. So, <laughs> I posted that on the Facebook page. Choke, choke, choke. I'm sure Sean would love that. Vince says after the match, we'll take a look at some footage of the past champion who held the title for six years running. Mr. Perfect says, who? What do you mean? Uh, uh, you'll take a look at the man that deserves more respect than any other champion. We'll take a look back at Bob Backlund. All right, Bob Backlund's going to be returning to the WWF. We'll see. Yeah, we get this we get this choke 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 stuff uh with Nails and uh Nails wins with the chokehold. What what did you expect? Next. Yeah, then we get a Bob Backlund retrospective. Hey, uh, it shows him winning the title for the first time back in the day uh, with WWWF. Um, he's 43, he says, and he's making a comeback to the WWF. And yes, his goal is to become the WWF champion once again. Huh. They, 43. Hmm. What do you think about that? Bob Backlund coming back. Um, to, be, to be honest with you, I didn't remember this happening. Um, until watching this Same. the other day, so um, I really don't Same. know. Same. I thought I mean, he came back in '94, actually. Yeah, I, I, late or even '93 because he wrestled Razor Ramon at WrestleMania oh, that year. But um, right. yeah, I didn't. I didn't really know what to make of it. Um, honestly, because it seemed like it, as much as we both love 1992, this also is a big transition year for them as well. Um, and they're not transition. It seems like they're trying to figure out where they're headed next um, in terms of uh, a company overall, because you have a mixture of them using younger guys, but really still holding on to some of the established guys as well. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, I believe right around this time period is where they would eventually you know, go to Ric Flair and say, we're going with younger so you can stay and, you know, you know, you won't be figured into the top spot, but, you know, we'll use you or we could just let you go and you can go back to WCW. So this is a, this is an interesting, uh, an interesting pickup here for them with Bob Backlund, considering that they're really on the fence as to what kind of direction they're taking their programming in. Yeah. And to your point, uh, Macho Man gets put, you know, behind the commentary booth eventually too yeah so uh yeah it's interesting and then they keep they keep backland around in 94 still running with it uh it'll be interesting we'll see where this goes though i'm marking out the days back to the green screen area vince tosses to two weeks ago when paul bearer came out with a coffin to the ring on superstars after kamala's match that kamala had kamala clearly scared of that coffin all big men are scared of coffins. Um, he runs off with Kimchi and Harvey Whippleman, and Paul rolls the casket off. All right, we go back to semi-live action. Paul and The Undertaker are out. His opponent, Von Kruss, who um, is uh, Tony, or Guido, I forget, Don Vito, or I don't Big know. Vito. Big Vito. Big Vito from the Mama Luke's. Yes, who actually didn't he pass away um, last last year or recently? <clears throat> um, no, he did not. He's still alive and well. Oh, are you sure? Yeah, he was a big part of that concussion lawsuit. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right, Undertaker um, here coming out. You know, I mean, his wrestling big... career may be dead because he did a podcast with Vince Russo, but other than that, like okay. he's you know he, okay. he's alive and well. Okay. Right. Yeah. Um Undertaker here is is a is a good face for the company. And I was thinking like Undertaker kinda had a longer face run than heel run ever. He he was only a heel like when he came in for that maybe a year. Yeah. And then he turned face and he was face for a long time until nineteen ninety nine where he did the uh you know the the dark undertaker, the 
corporate ministry and yep. the ministry of darkness. Um, and then from there, he was a face all the time after, like once he turned back to face. Well, no. Sorry, the Undertaker badass. He did again. Damn, yeah, he cut, his, he cut his hair short, as most heels do when they when they go from babyface to heel. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, in 2001, I believe. Yeah, yeah. All right. But that well, didn't last very long either, because they eventually turned him back into a good guy. Exactly. So. Yeah, Undertaker is always better as a face. Um, but, I mean, he works well as a badass, too. I think just that I, I don't think necessarily he works better as a face. I think people prefer him more as a face than a heel. You know, I, I, his heel works good. If people, you know, if wrestling fans were to have, you know, I would say followed along with the script, so to speak, because, you know, you know, right. how fans get if they don't like something a certain way. They'll voice their displeasure or they just won't react to it. Um, and I think right. Undertaker's heel stuff um, was a case where they preferred him as a, as a bad, as a good guy more, but it wasn't necessarily uh, a detriment to his heel work. Mm. Agreed. Uh, tombstone to Von cross from the undertaker with his gray gloves. He pins him. With his <clears throat> crossed one, two, three. Paul enters the ring and pulls out a body bag and undertaker puts Von cross in the bag a kid is cosplaying as Taker. It's actually a little girl. That's pretty cool. Yes. Um, yeah. It's probably 30 or 40 now. Hit me up, fam. Yeah, and uh, hey. if, if she's still into cosplaying, she can download uh, a, a future edition of Kicking Out of Two where we discuss uh, wrestling cosplay. Um, awesome. The month of October, yeah, where we discuss uh, you know wrestlers who have portrayed more than one character in wrestling history. Um Gimmick cosplay, as, as we'd like to call it. Uh, we'll drop October the 16th. I'm kicking out too. Cheap plug, sorry. No, oh, awesome. Good stuff. Always on uh, the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. We go to the event center with Sean Mooney. He tosses to Kamala, Kimchi, and Harvey Whippleman. Harvey Whippleman has a promo about The Undertaker. Kamala is not afraid. Uh, we'll see. Then we check in with Hacksaw Jim Duggan. He says, oh, hey, folks, you're wondering where Hacksaw's been? Turn into primetime. I'm next to Vince and Bobby the Weasel and Mr. Perfect on All-American Show. And with Mean Gene, also, something important, I want all the Americans can go goo and let's go and vote. And that's literally what he said. Tough guy. <laughs> Important that all we Americans can go goo. I mean, he meant to say go do, but yeah. And that's get out and vote, tough guy. It's a, it's a, it's a voting time, so they're trying to pimp that uh, commercial. And we're back, and it's Repo Man. Ew. His opponent is from Baltimore, Laverne McGill. Vince on commentary says that the main event of Survivor Series will be announced next week on Superstars. Ooh. That's exciting. The ref hesitating to take uh, Laverne, not Shirley, out of the tree of woe during this match. And Vince says, I think there should be a school for officiating. Huh? A referee school. Mm. Yeah, maybe he put that together. Mr. Perfect relates it to baseball and says the president resigned recently uh, from baseball in their timeline. Maybe Jack Tunney would retire and Mr. Perfect could be president. Hmm. The perfect president. Sounds about right. Yeah. Repo Man wins with a single leg Boston Crab. Then he hangs Laverne by his feet on the top of the rope. Okay. Normal stuff there from Repo Man. Hate it. We go to the event center with Sean Mooney. He is pimping the Survivor Series, and he tosses to the big boss man. And the big boss man cuts a promo, Law and Order, in the WWF, and nails, I'm still standing proud. And he's going to make sure he takes the trash out for good. Okay, so maybe they'll settle it at Survivor Series. We shall see. Boss man and nails. Then, Papa Shango, uh, with a book in his hand, he says, I curse the East, I curse the West, and more uh, stuff like that. Bret Hart, you're next. And then the book sets on fire. That was pretty cool. And uh, some scary stuff there from Papa Shango. Bret, look out. Boogie woogie. 
<laughs> and it's it's that time. It's October, so they're really pushing for Papa Shango right now. Yeah. Commercial and back, we get some action from last year's Survivor Series. That's rare that they show us some throwback stuff. Um, but yeah, it's a match between the Rowdy ones with, uh, it was Rowdy Piper, Bret Hart, uh, I think Dusty Rhodes. Nope. No? Piper, Which Bret, one? Bulldog, and Virgil versus ah, Flair, DiBiase, the, the Mountie, and the Warlord. Oh, God. Yes. This is the that year after. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> um, they the fallout at the end of the match where Rick is the sole survivor. It's good storytelling because then the following uh, Royal Rumble, Rick would be the last man to win. The, you know, the sole survivor there and win the title. It's funny. Um, it was a very creative finish that they that they. I wouldn't say very creative, but it was an interesting finish where. Flair is the only guy in the ring that doesn't get disqualified, but everyone else that got in the ring and fought on the outside got disqualified. It was I, I think it was a way to try and protect Flair, um, probably because of the Royal Rumble match that was coming up. Yeah, absolutely. It was good. It was really well done. Um, then we go back to WWF superstars to the ring with the tag team champions, the Natural Disasters. They're coming out uh, to face their opponents, Bob the Cat Bradley and Barry Horowitz. Money and Ink have a picture-in-picture promo during this match. They declare that they will be the next tag team champions. Mr. Perfect and Vince have been on uh, commentary going back and forth the last couple minutes leading into this segment about who the next number one contenders for the tag team titles could be. Is it going to be the Nasty Boys or... Money and Ink, because Jimmy Hart manages both of them, and he claims that both of them are number one contenders. So who is it? Uh, Adding some tension there, maybe. We'll see. Squash, squish, squish. Natural disasters win the match. Quick stuff there from the tag team champs. Yeah, it was uh, standard. You know, nothing nothing to write home about. Absolutely. Um, Standing by, it's Mean Gene backstage with us. A rare moment with Jack Tunney on the phone backstage. That that was kind of cool. We kind of get like the backstage goings-ons of WWF. Mean finds Jimmy Hart and he says, You said last week it was the Nasty Boys, but this week you say it's Money and Ink. Who's the number one contender is going to be? Jimmy says, Both of them, but they're... uh, And then Mean gets... uh, says, well, one will get the shaft, and then one will get the gold. And Jimmy says, ah, don't say that. And then they run and scream into the room like Mean's going to fucking sexually harass him. Uh, But, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it was a funny segment, I guess. But uh, adding some tension there between Jimmy Hart's camp, the Nasty Boys, and Money and Ink. We'll see who the number one contenders are. Back to action. Finally addressing that, because that's been something that's been a longstanding issue. Um, yes, it seems like in Jimmy Hart's camp on our timeline. So it's finally, it's finally coming to a head. Yes, we shall see in the next, uh, coming weeks of, or we'll see, uh, back to action in the ring. It's Ross Greenberg and his opponent is the model Rick Martell. And Vince says, Andre Agassi, eat your heart out. Huh? Again? Yeah. Uh, that's why Rick is dressed like a tennis player, so they're really biting off of that. I hate that fucking... Rick, the model Martel, has a picture-in-picture promo during this match, and he says, The model is still vogue and ready to be on the cover of GQ. We never got the Tatanka match. What the fuck? <laughs> He's still on the Tatanka match. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I, I, that stuff bugs me. Anyhow... He wins with the Baltimore Crab. It's over. Uh, we go to Sean Mooney. Uh, I guess the, I guess you know uh, Rick the model Martell is on a different route now or a different path. We shall see. We go to Sean Mooney. He tosses to the Skinner. Oh, great. He has a hurricane and a reptile problem. I don't know. He's referencing Hurricane Andrew that went on. He says, "I'll show you a real natural d- disaster." Good stuff, Vince. Nice way to, you know, yeah, people probably have their lives destroyed. It's going to bring that up in our promo. You know, I'll be like a 9-11 to you, boy. Well, you know. You'll never forget me. 
I mean, I don't know. Skinner could be going rogue because a few weeks before he had a green screen promo and he talked about he pulled a knife out and said he was going to slit someone's tires. And, you know, so, I mean, he was going to slash somebody's tires and, and use his knife. So, I mean, you know, he maybe maybe it's not Vince. Maybe Skinner's just going rogue and trying to get some attention, you know, you know. Mm-hmm. Let me cut yeah. a promo about one of them natural disasters, maybe, <laughs> you know, like if there was like a shooting at a mall or something, like maybe I cut a promo, get some heat then, maybe they'll give me a push, you know, I don't know, maybe. Uh, then we Jesus go to Bret Christ. Hart. Uh, Bret Hart says, the people are wondering what's going on in the mind after I lost the Intercontinental title. Papa Shango thinks he cost me the IC title. Well, he thinks... You can believe what you want. Well, I want to believe uh, is that I'm the best. And that was the best match in the WWF history. Maybe. And uh, you think you can take me down? Well, I'm coming from the bottom and I'll be right back on the top. All right. So he started from the bottom. Now he's now he's here. here. Yeah. Yeah. Bret Hart, he's coming in. Oh, hot. I guess they're going to give him a big push. We shall see. This month could be big for him. Maybe. Wink, 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 wink. Never know. Next week, Bret Hart, Macho Man, Kamala, Nails, the most dangerous man in wrestling. Boo. Don't call him that. Uh, (laughs) They called Nails the most dangerous man in wrestling. And then the main event. I mean, he was Survivor Series after all. True, true. Um, Yeah, the main event of (laughs) Survivor. Yes. The main event of Survivor Series will be announced too. All that next week on WWF Superstars, and that's your episode of WWF Superstars from October third, nineteen ninety-two. Yeah. Uh, did you have fun recapping this and watching this? Because I'll go on record saying, "Yeah, it was nothing. Yeah. It, it yeah. was nothing. Nothing special. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing special at all." Yeah. So if any of you guys listening to this and you love our riveting recaps of these shows and you want to go we back try to and make watch, it fun. Yeah, we try yeah. to make it fun. But if you ever want to go back and watch these episodes, don't watch this one of Superstars. OK, no, no, no. Wasn't yeah. very good at all. Unless unless you really unless you're a Skinner fan. You know? Right. We usually I mean, we usually run the run the shows down pretty well to where you don't really have to watch them. And then we recommend what you should see. So, yes, I, I like that. So there's nothing really that you should see out of this, uh, out of this, uh, you know, this episode here. I will say the only thing I did like about this episode was the Mean Gene, uh, Jimmy Hart, little segment where then eventually, you know, Gene followed him into the men's room. Yes. So that was interesting. I mean, you know, it's 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 1992, but I mean, you know, yeah, um, you know, yeah. So good thing I, it wasn't know, Pat. I was gonna, I was good gonna, thing Pat wasn't there. Yeah, well, you know, I was also going to go with a genderless bathroom joke, but I was like, nah, you know, let's let's not, you know, leave that one to those that work at Target. Um, yeah, so anyhow, um, yeah, great stuff. Great. Yeah. <laughs> Said no one ever. Um, you, you mind if I take over and drive this bus Absolutely. to uh, center stage in, in Atlanta, Georgia, the same day? So so we've left Hershey, and now we're going to center stage in Atlanta, GA, uh, same day, October the 3rd, 1992, WCW Saturday night, 6.05 live, Eastern Standard Time on WTBS. Open with Brian Pillman and Brad Armstrong already in the ring, getting ready for action as JR runs down the card with Arn Anderson as his guest co-host this week. Um, main event's going to be Barry Windham and Dustin Rhodes challenging for the Tag Team Championship against Terry Bam Bam Gordy and Dr. Death Steve Williams. Um Double A offers his expertise on this match as he's got experience wrestling all four in the main event as well as tagging with Barry Windham. Um, it's going to go along with a good theme here that I have after watching this episode. Um, but Anderson in the booth as a color guy, I'll go on record as saying the best one that JR's had out of all yes. the guests. Um, yep. Bringing a real, he reminded me in this se- in this segment, but also throughout the course of the show, he reminded me of a retired professional athlete that works as a color analyst, whether it's in baseball or football or whatever. He just had that, and he's got a gift of gab, but he just had that um, that that ability to really bring you the wrestler expertise on commentary. Inside. Yeah, inside. the insight. It was great. Um, and 
I'm a big Arn Anderson mark. I, I, I don't recommend his podcast enough. Uh, they've only done two episodes, and he... I, I don't know, something about his voice and the way he tells a story that really draws me in. Um, if I were you, I'd go check out the Arn Show um, on all podcast platforms available. Really, really good stuff. Um, definitely should check it out. The latest one he talks about was when he left Crockett to go to the WWF. Th- those are some interesting stories. Um, but we get the uh, the first match on the card, Brad Armstrong and Brian Pillman. Um, I thought it was a solid opener between these two. Pillman working the leg the majority of the match. I was expecting a little more high flying from them because they just recently rescinded the top rope rule. Um, mm. But we didn't get much offense um, off the top rope. Uh, Pillman wins with a cradle after a punt to the gut. Um Here's what I um, here's what I took away from this match. Like I said, not a whole lot of top rope maneuvers, um, but I thought that in Brad's comeback he could have sold the leg better because Pillman worked on his knee the majority of the match. The story of his knee injury being the reason why he couldn't defend the title at the Clash of Champions in September was a is a big drawing point for this rivalry, at least for me as a fan. And I felt like with Pillman working on the leg that there was going to be something involving the leg in the finish, whether it was Pillman right. using some kind of leg lock or he gets disqualified for 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 you know taking a chair to the leg. I was expecting the leg to play a more prominent role in the finish, and uh, it didn't in this instance. But other than that, Mm. it was still a good match. Interesting, yeah. Kind of like AEW where Brandon Cutler has his leg hurt and MJF works the arm. (laughs) (laughs) Weird. (laughs) I didn't notice that, but I'll have to go back and watch that. Um, Yeah, it it was a good match, solid match, though. Um, Really good stuff from the guys. They always can put on a hell of a match. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and they and you know, there's established history between both on TV currently in this rivalry. So it's not just two guys, we, it's not just two guys we, thrown together. Right. And as we always speak of, uh, WCW brings it with the in-ring action as opposed to WWF. Yes. And yeah, in these these head-to-head battles. Um, we go to commercial and come back, and JR interviews Bruno Sammartino, um, who's. Uh, been a special guest on the show in the last few weeks, uh, hyping up Bruno's appearance as a, a special host of the upcoming Halloween Havoc pay-per-view. Um, Bruno uh, really uh, does a good job of actually plugging the pay-per-view, encouraging fans to order, um, and also thanking the fans on the East Coast for all their support over the years, and he's pretty excited to watch this event. Um, I thought it was a solid way to uh, to introduce Bruno and uh, make him a part of this show. What did you think? Absolutely. Um, he, he's got some good, you know, he had some good commentary last week. He was trying to put the, the you know, the, the folks over, the, the, the action that he saw, yeah. basically. Um, and he's a legend. Yeah. So that's some eyes on the product. You know, it's bringing that old school, hey, look at that again. They're trying to bring an old school audience to their product. You know, to have eyes there. They're, Especially so they're a name like, like him who is very popular. In the sixties, seventies, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm sorry to interrupt. Uh, <laughs> um, no, 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 no. My fault. Um, it's it was a very interesting choice to bring him on board because he's a he's a big name in the East Coast, especially in the Italian American community, um, and being a big name in the in that regional area for the WWF at that time, um, and kind of you know drawing those fans to the WCW product with him endorsing it. Um, you know, Bruno was a God in the New York area, um, to, to many people. So Absolutely. I thought this was a smart move, move on WCW's part, um, having him a part of the show. Um, we move on to the next match, the Vegas connection, diamond Dallas page and Vinny Vegas taking on Marcus Alexander Bagwell and Shane Douglas. Um, this tag match was really nothing special from these two teams. Um, to me, it felt like they created the Vegas connection to give both guys something to do because they were just on the show and in random matches. Um, this yeah. re- the, this match really just felt like a showcase for Shane Douglas. Like I didn't even think like it was presented that like oh him and Bagwell are going to team together because they've been bouncing Bagwell around with different guys between Tom Zink and you know 
he he was just te- or he was part of the lightweight with um, Brad Armstrong at one point. They've kind of bounced Bagwell around a little bit, but um, this match really felt more like a, a way to showcase Douglas, who's been featured on the show in the last few weeks as being a up and comer. Um, you know, in WCW, the finish comes when Shane wins with a belly-to-belly suplex on Diamond Dallas Page. And uh, we go to commercial and come back, and it's Van Hammer against Mike Freeman. Um, Sorry, real real quick. I mean, uh, I think Vinny Vegas, uh, Kevin Nash, that is, he had a good showing in this match, actually. Showing, like, the big man skills. Yes, I will say, yeah. I, yeah, I'll give him that. Yeah, it wasn't... Uh, he he definitely showed a little more than he had shown in recent memory um, in our timeline as we go back. But yeah, no, I would have to say um, he didn't try too much. He was he he played the big man role real well. Yeah, decent stuff there. Okay, sorry. Go no, back no. to your favorite guy, Van Hammer. He is the 1992 version of Mojo Raleigh. He sucks. <laughs> He's always going to suck. There's never a good match from him, and he's clearly not over with the crowd. And here was something that uh, was pointed out on commentary that I had to totally call bullshit on. Um, JR says that Van Hammer was once a very one-dimensional wrestler, but his technique has improved. So basically what Mm -hmm. JR is saying is that he would have to suck in order for it to be an improvement. And then we get a win with a slingshot suplex, and thank God that fucking segment was over. My goodness. Holy cow. Hammer rock suplex. Oh, my goodness. Oh, it was just terrible. I mean, he comes out, the crowd's not really into him. I don't know. It was just, oh, Yeah. And, like, at that time, 1992, heavy metal music wasn't a thing. So, like. No, it was grunge. Yeah, grunge and hip-hop were like the two musics you know the two genres of music that were dominating the 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 billboard charts you know maybe on the underground metallica was kind of you know still keeping metal relevant but you know van hammer yeah this was this was a thumbs down for me it will always be a thumbs down as a matter of fact anytime van hammer is on this show and we have to recap him um i i allow you listening to hit pause or fast forward through that segment and um, go take a dump or you can make yourself a sandwich just, or do whatever. Just hit the 15 you... skip twice. Yes. There you go. Yes, exactly. Hit the 15 skip twice and you'll, your, your, your podcast listening experience with us will become a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> um, we come back from commercial and we get the Halloween Havoc Control Center with good old J.R. Jim Ross. Um, J.R. Uh, leads us into some clips uh, surrounding the Barbarian Ron Simmons world title match at the pay-per-view, um, which includes um, some incidences from last week, the face-to-face with him and Cactus that was taped earlier in the show, and then, of course... Um, some parts of the tag match that took place at the end of the show when he tagged with Barry Windham against Jake the Snake and the Barbarian. And speaking of Jake the Snake, um, he talks to JR in the control center um, and says that WCW is making him and Sting sign release forms for their match in the event that things go too far so that they won't be responsible. Um, Looking back and remembering the hype for this match. I was really looking forward to, you know, the spin the wheel idea because all the different crazy stipulation matches. And I felt like as a, even as a kid back then, like, well, you know, you're going to get something crazy um, between these two. And that's how big of a deal it was. Um, So the hype for this match between the two of them was really good stuff. We won't spoil what really comes out of it. Um, They got 12, they got 12 possibilities for a a gimmick match and they choose this one. Yeah. Which we're going to cover for my birthday, right? That's right. We're going to do a birthday celebration covering Halloween Havoc 1992, a bonus show, if you will, here on the Retro Mania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. So, uh, you know, be on the lookout for that in the next couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, that's gonna go down, and uh, you know, I'm I'm sorry that we're going to ruin your birthday with. Uh, <laughs> with... Well, no better way to spend 32, Dave. At, oh, well, 32! Look at that! Look at that! Anyhow, um, Jr. continues to run down the rest of the card. Rick Rude, Masahiro Chono, as he would call him, Masha, Masahiro Chono, like mashed potatoes, um, and then. Uh, 
He also uh, announces a, t- a special challenge match for the TV title of Ricky Steamboat and the World Tag Team title match. The Steiners challenging Dustin Rhodes and Barry Windham. Wait a minute. Aren't what? Dustin and Barry challenging for those same titles against Doc and what? Gordy? Whoop. Whoop. Oh, folks. Sorry about that. Whoop. Yeah, there was no Slip apology up. there. Um, I know. They put the wrong segment in. They, they put the wrong control center, the Halloween Havoc control center in in this show. Um, yeah, so... Uh, Could have waited for next week. Yeah, it was... Uh, or the, or, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I was, but yeah, it, it completely caught me off guard. And then, uh, you know, the Steiner brothers being the number one contenders, um, you know, that wasn't a surprise because they've been in the tag mix. But uh, yeah, somebody made a big oopsie on uh, WCW's part there. Um, Might not be the first, last time. No, well, maybe not. Um, we'll go to commercial and come back, and JR and Arn Anderson discuss the issues. Uh, between Ron Simmons and the Barbarian. And then they cut to last week's main event. The entire fucking match. Dude, I know. And I was like, man, Dave's got a long episode to cover for WCW. I feel bad for him. And then I saw this and I was like, fuck. They fucking filled like the whole damn show with the match. I don't know what that was all. Why? I don't know why they did that. I, I honestly don't know why. Um, I guess they didn't have yeah, anything was... else to put on. Build a time with. I don't know. I don't know, or maybe, maybe they expected a a shorter episode, and then last minute, like you said, the Atlanta Braves or something. It's the end of the season. Yes, it's the end of baseball season, right? So now all of a sudden they have a longer episode. They're like, oh shit. You know? Yeah, and I don't know if it's ninety. So it's ninety two. I believe the Braves were in the playoffs because the Braves were a good team. Maybe back then. they lost. Yeah, who knows? I don't know. I don't know if Braves baseball conflicted with this and they just said, here, let's kill some time. But um, yeah, they showed the entire main event. So if you guys missed the main event from last week, you'll get to watch it this week with J.R. and Arn Anderson. Yippee. Um, Then uh, Arn and J.R. continue to discuss um, Ron Simmons and his challenge of being the champion and how challenging it can be with all these contenders, including Ravishing Rick Rude and Vader, um, to which Arn closes out the segment by saying, uh, you know, it's lonely being at the top. Um, sending a message to, uh, to to Ron Simmons, you know, regarding his, his tenure as world champion, which brought me to the point that never really was touched upon after some of our earlier episodes, Arn Anderson, when he was a member of the Dangerous Alliance, talked about <laughs> wanting to be the world champion. So uh, I'm just kind of curious point, yeah. what happened with that. What, what happened, happened with, with that? you, bro? Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. That was, you know, that di- way, way to get my dick hard and then fucking, you know, just take it away from me, you know? Like for real. Like, like yeah. I would have loved to have seen an Arn Anderson. Like, come on, bro. Seriously. Um, which then we we get a Ron Simmons match as he makes real short work of Kenny Kendall with a power slam. Um, Post match promo has uh, Ron uh, hyping his Halloween Havoc mask and discussing the other challengers that lay ahead like Rude and Vader, and uh, basically saying Barbarian, if you want to fight, Ron Simmons is going to give it to you. And uh, that was the end of that segment. I'm still not really big on this Ron Simmons Barbarian uh, rivalry, I will say. Um, yeah, it, it's lackluster, but they yeah. are trying to push it as much as they can. Yeah, and I'm still I'm still baffled. Like I I don't know why they didn't you know why Cactus was in this advisory role. Well, he's got he's got a good you know he's got a good promo. He can speak, and I don't think pro- Barbarian can do talking. Yeah, you know? no. Uh, certainly he's not. always needed a mouthpiece but yeah but but just cactus not even vying for the title cactus was a more credible you know name and a True. bigger name than barbarian at that time in wcw I mean, he must have been injured if that's what you know yeah i don't know it's just i, I just found it to be strange um the that, that, that it's very much like ron simmons title run at least to me from what we've been watching is very similar to the recent run that Kofi Kingston had with the title. Mm. I felt like that Kofi's win was big and it was made to be a huge deal. And then after everyone got off that high, it was just, it was just there. 
you know, and I felt like Simmons win was a big deal, but then the rest of it just didn't really, didn't really amount to much. And that's no disrespect to him. I think that's just the way he, his, his character was portrayed. Same thing with Kofi. Um, but anyhow, back to 1992, we go to commercial and come back and there's a sit down interview with Tony Schiavone and Shane Douglas. Um, Shane discusses the influence Magnum TA has had on him and his ascent to the top of WCW and professional wrestling. Um, Shane says that Magnum stands for everything he stands for in the sport, um, which is why he wants to um, continue his his affiliation with Magnum TA and what gravitated him to Magnum, you know, and his guidance, so to speak. Um they cut the clips of his victory over the Super Invader a few weeks ago on Saturday night, as well as a another uh, victory over Greg the Hammer Valentine. I believe it was on like Worldwide or Power Hour or something. Um, really white meat babyface promo from him. Yay, yay, I'm here. I want to do good. I love the fans. Um, never give up. Earn your stripes. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah. Easy as fuck. Not yeah, impressed with much. Shane. No, not at not all. Not until he turns heel and goes to ECW. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, nothing special. Um, go to commercial and come back, and JR is with Jake the Snake in studio discussing the Halloween Havoc match. And Jake discusses the dangers of each match on the wheel and tells Sting that, you know, you got to spin the wheel because one of those matches on that wheel will be your last um, which then yeah. leads us to, I'm sorry. It was, it was okay with the graphics, <laughs> the cheesy graphics. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a whole surround system and 3d <laughs> effects. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, we it, which then leads us to the barbarian who is a part of Jake's little family that is he'd like to call it who by the way is on commentary with JR um for this match defeating Rick Bravo um same match we've seen before from barbarian it's barbarian's in, barbarian is in the natural disaster spot on Saturday night where he just has the same match with everyone um kick yeah. to the chest so, and it's over yeah the only thing that I enjoyed when it comes to the Barbarian was this next segment, was this pre-tape of Cactus Jack training him for his title match against Ron Simmons with Cactus Jack driving the car or in the in the driver's seat behind the wheel um, as Barbarian is running in this like cornfield or this like, you know, abandoned, you know, big piece of land, this open like a area. gravel area, yeah, yeah. like a field. Yeah, like a field, and he's dragging this car as Cactus is cutting a promo and talking to the camera about how he's not so much a manager, but he's a motivator um, of the Barbarian and motivating Barbarian to defeat Ron Simmons for the um, the the heavyweight championship at Halloween Havoc. I really like this vignette. It was good. It was well done. I did too. The way it was produced, and yeah, they they did a great job of this. That was the only thing I liked about this hype w- between him and Ron Simmons was this vignette. Um, we go to commercial and come back for our main event, as it's Dustin Rhodes and Barry Windham challenging the Miracle Violence Connection for the the Unified World Tag Team Titles. Um, this was a great match. Main event was, was was good between both teams. I really liked how they, you know. Instead of working on Dustin, they worked on Barry the majority of the match so that, you know, the younger Dustin Rhodes could get the comeback. Um, This was a really good uh, match. And, uh, you know, Dustin picked up the win for the team here over Doc and Gordy. The place exploded. I thought it was it was really well done. Um, The post-match promo at the end with Eric Watts coming in. He's been training with Dustin and Barry. Um, It was just some really good stuff overall. And, uh, you know, Dustin, you know, this tag match was like the the tag team matches in at least the tag team division in 1982 in WCW didn't disappoint. They they had WWF beat on that in that sense. You had the Steiners and the Miracle Violence Connection. You had Dustin and Barry. You had um, Arn Anderson and Beautiful Bobby. And what was also great about this match, too, was Arn's commentary, even though he's a part of a tag team with Bobby Eaton. 
And even though he's had some run-ins with Dustin and Barry Windham, he brought an unbiased opinion to this mm-hmm. match regarding both teams. He wasn't like a typical heel that, you know, healed on the two teams and, and put him and, and Bobby Eaton over. He put the talents over in the ring. Um, so it, it was a it was a very refreshing um, uh, presentation in that sense to, to see something like that, to hear something like that. I thought Arn was great overall throughout this whole show. And as a color commentator... If he stepped, I wouldn't have minded seeing him do that, um, to be perfectly honest with you, once his in-ring career was over. I really felt he brought something to the table when it came to that. Absolutely. Um, to the tag team like stuff, I think it's interesting that they're, they put the belts on Dustin and Barry. Now we're going to see them go against the Steiners, that, which were spoiled, but it's, it's another dynamic of WCW putting face against face. Or heel against heel. They yep. like doing that a lot. Um, making it unpredictable, like a sports dynamic, that feel that we talk about a lot. They like to bring that sports presentation to it. Anything could happen. Yeah. And you're right, that tag team match was phenomenal. It's always great to watch WCW tags at this time because it's, like we've talked about plenty of times, it's considered like four heavyweights, uh, two of them teaming up, you know? And it's just guys that could be contenders mm-hmm. for the world championship. Um, but yeah, <clears throat> good stuff, man. Um, I really like this. Yeah, episode. and I thought even the way they ended the show too. Yep. Yeah, I, I did too. And I thought the way they ended the show where they like showed the, 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 the closing moments and they were like moments ago on Saturday night and you saw the finish, like it made the, the victory that much more important. Yeah, um, Dustin pulling they, that bulldog out of nowhere. Yep. Yeah. It was it was just good stuff overall. And on record, this episode beats out Superstars, you know, absolutely by a long shot. Just on the main event alone and the commentary from Arn Anderson, um, I thought this was a really good episode of Saturday Night. One of the better ones in recent memory. Even yes, though we've indeed. been, even though we've been picking Saturday Night as the better show, um, this episode in particular really stood out because of those two things I just mentioned. Minus the recap of the uh, the entire fucking main event from last week, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, right, exactly, exactly. But yeah, that 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 about does it with our with our trip down memory lane this week here on Weekend Warriors. Well, that's it. You want to pimp everything one more time? You can find us at Retromania with the W on Facebook. You can join in the fun on Twitter at Retromania Pod. Uh, you can write to us Retromania Podcast at Gmail dot com. Dave, let us know where we can find you, and then we'll get out of here, brother, and catch everybody next week. Kicking out of two Facebook dot com forward slash Kicking Out of Two. Hit the like button as well as our Twitter uh, at Kicking Out Two. Follow us over on Twitter. All of our uh, you know links to episodes are up there on our on our uh, social media pages as well as the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network on Podbean. All right, brother. Catch you next week. All right, man.